produced by Podcast Architects. Welcome back to another episode of the Path Forward Podcast, special TASA Midwinter edition here in Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Dr. Rick Fernandez. I have a special guest, proud superintendent from Granger ISD, Jenny Netherland. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you. So we have some coaching in common, and I want to jump into that. But for our audience, our listeners, tell us a little bit about Granger ISD. So Granger ISD is a small rural community that is about to explode. We are about 12 miles from the new Samsung plant that has uh, begun to be under construction. And so we are, um, you know, we are a school district that has a proud history of being a small rural school to a, and now here we are on the cusp of growth and, and greatness. How many rooftops are you all expecting? Oh goodness. So. Um, the next subdivision that's coming up has about 150 homes slated, and then there are four more that are talking about, you know, that are in the works, and, and we're just, once we get the infrastructure in our city and our community, it's just going to take off. So, for your students and your, your community, what are the, some of the wins from the first semester, some highlights you want to share? Oh, from the first semester, we have so many great things. Um, our first off, I mean, obviously being a proud coach, former coach, um, I think a successful football season always spells success in the fall. Uh, we went four rounds in playing December football, so that's a big thing. Um, really just the, the fact that our band, all of our extracurriculars are thriving. Our girls volleyball went to the playoffs for the first time in a very long time. And um, our band advanced, and so for the first time in 15 years. So just really taking our extracurriculars up a notch um, on the cusp of greatness while we are growing our academics, is that's just that's big to me. So i got to ask you, as a former coach, when you're attending games as superintendent, I was the worst. Like I, <laughs> I know I'm supposed to be kissing, kissing babies and shaking hands and, and making sure I'm seen and talked to, but I wanted to watch the game. Like I would literally go on the field and watch the game because I, but I know I probably shouldn't be doing that. How do you handle when you attend? Okay, so I have a rule. I'm always on the field. So I call myself a sideline soup. <laughs> and so I believe in being there and cheering them on. And, and I'm, I'm just all in. And so I'm very, very loud and very, very, um, you know, where I'm just trying to encourage and make sure that they are feeling that I'm there to support them uh, while they're on the field. And so I am absolutely on the sideline. That I makes, am a sideline soup. Oh, that makes me feel so much better because most of the time uh, you know, our colleagues are like, no, you know, I'm in, I'm talking with the board or I'm talking with parents or just saying hello to everybody. And I'm like, I do. I, as much as I love doing that when I'm at the game, I want to be there for the kids. And, you know, at heart, I'm an athlete and I want to watch the event. Oh, yeah. Well, parents, they see me there, so they know. And so I'm doing my job by supporting our team and, and just being visible. Visibility is the key. It's not necessarily about walking around and talking to people. I'm, I do that organically at a lot of other events, like my daughter's events and, and things that are just happening in the community. When it comes time to support our kids, I'm there on the sidelines. So are you, would the refs know when you're there? <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to, can I ask that? 
Yes, <laughs> they know when I'm there. You you are uh, you encourage the referees to make I correct calls. I absolutely <laughs> do. I do build relationships. I build relationships with the referees prior to the game. I go and say hello. Do you, you know? Do you have to say, look, guys, you may hear from me. <laughs> it's nothing personal. I'm just want to. I'm just going to support the kid. I I just I try to keep calm. I ca I kind of try to keep the peace. I keep everybody's peace. That's what I try to do. Okay. Well, once again, I'm feeling better about my own life because. <laughs> You know, I, and I, I wouldn't stay on the refs, but if I felt like my kids weren't getting a fair shake, I could not help but. Oh, yes. Like, you know, they work too hard. All kids work very, very hard. But if I felt like it was one-sided to, to, like, they weren't getting a fair shot, I would say a couple of choice words to the, not nothing vulgar, but they're going to hear about, like, hey, you got two. Call two, a fair game. You got two teams competing. Yeah. Make it a fair competition um, so let's transition to leadership because I'm gonna guess that your coaching influences your leadership style 100%, yes. how do you characterize it? How, do, how do you characterize it and then how have you leveraged your coaching experience so I mean I would just say my leadership style like when I was a coach is I'm a servant leader okay. so I try to lead by love and love is action so action to me is making sure that everybody is taken care of um, just day in and day out and do the little things. I always talk about see the need, meet the need. And so when we are, you know, with coaching and interest trying to get everybody better, we start with the mindset that everybody has some place that you can improve. And you can, and it, the collective unit of coaching is to create a team. Mm -hmm. And teamwork is essential to trust and love and progress. And so if you don't have those elements, then you're not creating a successful team. And so just the, the coach in me is always striving for us to be a better team. And the coach in me is also striving for us to be better and have more wins each and every day. So as you're creating these teams, I always felt like the great teams have to go through some adversity together. 100%. Sometimes we have to uh, invent some adversity for our teams to go through, particularly ones that are very, very talented. With that in mind, how do you create adversity and grit within a staff or a leadership team that's going to serve them down the road as things intensify or as you know we need, we're, we're shooting for this goal? Is there a way to do that? Let them fail. Let them fail. Simple as that. Sometimes we just want to be so, as parents, as leaders, as teachers, as coaches, you just want to protect and put everybody in this bubble. And, and so the biggest thing is people just need the opportunity to bomb. And so, and in that sense that you, people can grow through that adversity when they are taking risks that you know. So say there's a situation as a, a leader that I know that they're, I'm asking them like, how would you like to handle that? And you hear them handle it and you think, okay, that may not be. And, and just say, you know what? I'm going to let you go and handle it and then we'll reflect on it. And so they handle it, it comes back. Cause ultimately at the end of the day, all ownership is on me, right. right? So if it's something that we can fix and something that we can do better, I'm going to have to let them have opportunities to not be as successful as they could have been if I'd have just intervened. And so they're gonna learn more from that lesson of failure than they ever will from the success. It's really irritating that I asked that question. I've been pining over it for quite some time in my own leader, and you just nailed it like that right off the cuff. So I'm just gonna say that to you. That, that, <laughs> I was like, that was, on the spot that was that was a 
why, how can I could never got to that point? Because I've been thinking about it. You're trying to create adversity. You're trying to put them in a situation in, in practice, right, for instruction that's going to be more difficult than the game day, whatever that game day looks like, whether it be you know, standardized testing or what have you. So I, I got, well, I'm just going to keep grilling my, my philosophies at you, and you, you give me your feedback. All so, right, let's go. All right, so coaching. Okay. Softball players. Mm-hmm. Parents expect that your players are going to practice how many times a week? Four, five, somewhere in there? Is yeah, that, four to five. Mm-hmm. Okay. And within that practice, they're going to expect that you're giving feedback, that you're correcting, that you're coaching, that you're mentoring um, a variety of skills. When we turn to the classroom, right, our, sometimes our coaching and feedback is either way too disjointed in terms of when it happens, the frequency, or we do just enough to, to meet the T-test requirements. But in a lot of other aspects of our life or what we want for kids, we know that that's not what we would expect. We would expect that something this difficult, a skill this difficult, or a skill that keeps evolving, the frequency, the feedback, the, spe- the specificity of feedback has to be different or has to be of a higher volume. Is there a way to bring some of those things that we know in this aspect of our life, our world, into one that's absolutely critical, our instruction and our growing teachers? I, I just think that we really have to get back to basics, right? So what I heard from you when you were talking is in your question is the things that spiral and continue to that that are needed, right? And so it's like I call those the process standards or whatever like Lead Forward does. Sure. And and so those are the things, those are the bare bones of what kids have to learn. And so, you know, and just part of that, everything, even when I'm practicing with softball or I'm practicing with my leadership team or I'm practicing with or kids and teachers in a classroom, you have to get back to the basics and the things that they need to know and the things before they start escalating. And they've got to get one thing before they can get the next. And so, you know, I think that you know, with leadership talking to parents. And so for somebody that's not talking to parents, you know, not that great at it. Well, that's a basic skill. Mm-hmm. We got to get back to that, right? How many more things would we help make our district and our team better if we had that skill? How many more problems are solved? And so it's the same in the classroom. Um, and, and so when we, you know, when we're just preaching to our team about how we can continue to get better, let's get better at the basics and let's, let's do that. And then we can, you know, expound upon that and grow and continue to grow. What, what has been your best coaching job? Meaning you took, you took this group and it can be teachers or, well, well let's do this. Softball first and then something that, that relates to leadership. Mm. And why is it the best coaching job? So really um, as a coach that I was very proud of our, our team um, when I was uh, the head softball coach at Hendrickson. I, you know, we were really set to take off and they, there was just so much potential and so much talent and just motivating those girls to continue to be better every day when they were already just studs. And so that, that to me was a profound year. Um, I always say that I was a far, I'm a far better administrator than I ever was a coach, right? As far as the success level. Um, But so on this, on the school side, Really, everywhere I've been, we've we've had we've created these teams of success. My first principalship, I we went from number forty, you know, number thirty-seven in our cohort to number seven in two years. Oh, out of wow. 
out of a PEG school. Um, and you know what I'm most proud of is that school has not been back on the PEG list ever since I started there. So that's, that is a proud moment for me. And in Absolutely. Lano, in Lano, we um, became a, you know, three-time U.S. News Best High School uh, where I was a principal and we were, you know, our AP scores were well above the national and global average. And in a time where I completely shifted up how they did AP and they parents were not happy about that. Um, and so, you know, we've had a lot of results. And then in Granger, now our board, they are just, we are a team. And, and we have come together to, they haven't passed a bond since 1997. And we just passed a bond last May and um, that a, was well received. And now we have a school that is 100 years old that we are now going to build a new school. And so at each level and layer, while, you know, we, we've just been able to accomplish a lot of things, but it's because we, we go together. And that's been the best part about being and leading a team is that you just get to facilitate all these really cool things that people can do. They just have to have the right mindset to do it. So what did you, how did you do that thing? Because I've heard several stories where like our buildings are so old, like Moses, <laughs> Moses went there and clearly that's a, a <laughs> clearly that's a mindset that had some, some paradigm shifts had to happen. How did you do that? Like what was your, all right, this is how we're going to attack this. This is how we're going to change the mindset and the, the understanding of the community so that we have the facilities that we need for our kids. Well, it wasn't just me. It was our it was our team of people um, from board to I mean our athletic director, athletic coordinator, people in town, community members, just having the conversations and asking them the questions about like what they genuinely wanted to see and what they wanted to happen. Um, and so when I took what they wanted to have happen, we we just got that out to the people, and and I feel like that's an important piece of how we accomplish that. That's awesome. That, yeah, that. I think in the landscape we're in terms of politics and money and finance, and let's not go into that, but it seems to be getting harder and harder for districts to get the support in order to move forward with some of their bonds and construction projects. Okay, so let's have a little fun. Do you, how hard is it for you not to go to softball games and, oh, <laughs> I saw the look, okay. I saw the look, and, and not overstep? Oh, okay. So here's here's how I don't do that, okay. right? So I actually, being a former coach, um, I really take it to heart not to teach and coach them. Like they, so I hire people who are better than me, right? So my people, they're better than me, and at what that. So I I never have had that problem, honestly, about overstepping because I kind of put myself back in the mindset of being a coach. Okay. And and so you know if if there's feedback needed. I mean, I might ask some questions, but for the most part, my people, if they're honest, they would be able to tell you <laughs> that I don't overstep in that way. I, I really just let them do their thing and and just kind of roll with it. And now, if there has the one thing in the area, if I see like motivational type stuff, that's the type of stuff like, you know, you kind of go, okay, how can we make sure that we are keeping our kids motivated, right? Like those are the kind of questions, but... I don't, I, they're better than me, so they don't need me to come in there and do their job. What do you think I was going to ask you about? Uh, the umpires? <laughs> Is that what you thought it was? You, uh, I saw the look. Hey, I, I did. So I, I was an umpire at okay. one point, right? And so when I was a kid, and, and my, my daughter's Little League game last year, I had to, there was nobody that could come. So I was an umpire. I said, hey, I'll do it. Superintendents get heat all what the did time. You, what did you wear? 
Um, I just had a jacket and and I borrowed the catcher's face guard, like from the opposing team. <laughs> but what about the padding? You didn't. I didn't. I just took it for the team. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm a servant leader. I said that. Yeah, that's yeah. a little bit above the call, call of duty there. Uh, I couldn't run up and down a basketball court to referee it. What's I mean, I could stand at half court and look over look I, over the kids. That's what I would do if I was called to do basketball. I would just I would have to do that. That wow. Somebody's got to have some video or something of that. Yeah, I did. I posted on Twitter last year with um, with we they took pictures. Yeah. Okay, so if you could change one thing in education, like just snap your fingers, what would you change? Mm, that's a great question. Um Really right now, I would say our funding. Yeah. It's so necessary. The other day we were having conversations about all of these things that we have to do, the cuts that we have to make just to, um, and the choices that we have to make that kids in rural schools, um, the opportunities, just, you know, equality and opportunity, those just don't align up in small schools sometimes. And so I just, I really wish that we could afford to have the uh, the opportunities for our kids that other schools get to have. And so um, that that's a big wish list for us. Last question. Obviously, you're, you're well aware that we're all struggling with finding teachers and, mm-hmm. and administrators. Why should somebody come to Granger ISD and be a part of the family? Oh, my goodness. Why not? That's the best question. We have so, you know, we have competitive pay and and really just being a part of us is a place to belong. And so for me and and our staff, you know, I'm sending out a notice just a minute ago. I'll give you a great example. Um, I'm sending out a notice um, to my AD and I'm like, hey, would you make sure we like take our kids and go help the elderly get their clothes, you know, get their plants in for the freezer, I mean, for the freeze and stuff. And um, he was like, oh yeah, we already got a van and we're already on it, right? And so we're already taking care of our community. And then when I'm telling people, I'm down here and I'm telling our team, I'm like, hey, um, you know, we're, we're going to ca- cancel school for tomorrow because it's the weather. Right. And they're emailing me back, please stay safe and take care. And, and so we have a direct line of communication. We pray for each other. We take care of each other. And we are a place to belong. And that's outstanding. That, you know, I think we would all be better served if we, if we did that more, if we said that more, if we messaged, you know, beyond the pay, right? Because we can all do only what our budgets are going to Absolutely. allow. That, there is nobody that, that's a, in leadership and that doesn't believe that teachers deserve more pay, that educators. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But... With what we have, how do we make sure that, that teachers, particularly the new crop, are excited about the profession and that want to come work in our districts? And I think we should do a better job of really exp- putting it in perspective just like you did. Because ultimately, that's what everybody wants. Yeah. But with their career, they, they want a home. They want a home where they belong, where they matter, and where they're growing. Mm-hmm. You know, where they're growing, where they're getting better with their career. So, well, Jenny, thank you for joining us on The Path Forward are there any shout outs that you want to give or any calls to action? Really right now, I just encourage everybody to advocate for education in the legislature and, and just contact their representatives to make sure that they hear that education matters. And, and for me, that's the most purpose-driven thing that we can do right now is just to be advocates for our kids and for public education. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Produced by Podcast Architects.